You know Dan. Yeah. Taylor Swift's in town this week. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why aren't we there? What? <laughs> I'm kidding. Danny won't take me to shows that cost more than $30. <laughs> it's not true. No, you took me to see John Mayer back in 2017. Yes. And that was recent enough. You still talk about it to this day. It was well worth the money. Danny only goes to sh- takes me to shows that start in MX and end in PX or uh, or from Fishbone or other ska and punk bands. You you know this is a cute little way to start this show by bar- trying to trying to throw me under the bus. But you were just watching a YouTube video of one of these recent Taylor Swift shows, and you're like, eh, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it looks... No, 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 no. That is not what I said. You're putting words in my mouth. Oh, False. sure. False. What I said was, was that it looks amazing, but it's not <laughs> as good as Alice Cooper. Oh, that's right. That is what that's you said. That's what I said. I said, I have yet to see a sh- any show that reaches the I level took of to see any Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper show. <laughs> You did. And that was just, what, like two years ago, so. It wasn't even two years ago. It was, was it like a year, year ago, yeah. I could look it up in my it phone. It was like last summer. It was It was wonderful. If you haven't seen Alice Cooper, go see Alice Cooper. Yeah, Taylor Swift doesn't have a giant Frankenstein chasing her around nope. on screen. On stage, <laughs> There's I mean. no billion dollar babies at that show. Except in the audience. <laughs> it was April of 2022 that we went to see Alice Cooper at the Greek Theater. So good. With Ace Freely. He was like, hey, I'm Ace Freely. I've been sober for 44 years. Uh, here's one of the songs that Gene allows me to play. <laughs> A verbatim. everyone and welcome to sadie hawkins pod hello hello to everyone out there in <laughs> podcast land what a way to start We're here to exhausted parents <laughs> danny and jessica coming at you once again talking about an exhausting song i get less sleep i mean it's a great song it's somehow a- i have more energy that's just how it was to begin with. Wait, no, I got more. Yeah, that's always how it's been. Yep. Even before there was a baby, that's Pretty how much. it's always been. Well, well, you know. Anyway. Just momming it over here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is an emotionally heavy song. So it's perfect. Just to emotionally heavy times. I mean, it's amazing. Our baby's doing fantastic. Cooper's doing wonderful. I think we have some words of welcome from listeners oh. with voicemails to Cooper, but Aww. Cooper's doing fantastic. It's obviously just been a lot of work. Why didn't someone <laughs> warn us how much work it is to be a parent? I never once heard anyone say it's a lot of work. You know what would have been nice? If someone had told me, like, get your sleep now. Because you're not going to be sleeping that much. You're going to be waking up every three hours. I never heard anyone tell me that. Everyone says, like, you're going to be so tired. You're going to be exhausted. Get ready to never sleep. They doesn't. You you can hear it a hundred times before the baby gets here. But nothing prepares for you for that kind of exhaustion. It's like last well, week I was I had a day where I was like, I have never been this exhausted in my entire life. I think the I've thing never been so tired. Obviously, I, it, people um, jokes aside. Clearly, people are always talking about oh, get your sleep now. You're gonna have a baby. You're gonna be up every night. 
blah, blah, blah. And you'll be like, yeah, there's nothing I can do to prepare for that, but thank you for the heads up. What I feel like they don't tell you specifically, I had never heard this. I had, before I get into it, I had absolutely heard, oh, you're gonna, you're not gonna get to be getting any sleep. You're not gonna be getting any sleep. It's in movies, it's in television shows, it's in podcasts and radio shows and talk show interviews constantly and personal friends and family. Everybody talks about, you're not going to sleep when you have a baby. But what nobody ever says is why. It's like you have to wake up every two to three hours to feed the baby, even if the baby doesn't want to wake up. Yeah. I equate it to Lost and Desmond, <laughs> who is in the hole or whatever that was called. I don't remember all the mythology, but the hole where he the has hatch? to touch the hatch where he has to type in the numbers every what is it every right right yeah and like you know by the time the lost team all the main characters get to the lost island he's got it down to a science so if he wakes up he makes his eggs he he uses the little rolling machine and then the the alarm goes off and he goes over and he types in the numbers so that the island doesn't blow up but he had to do that every day by himself for how long like 10 years or whatever before you find him on the show. Mm-hmm. That's the equivalent of it. You have to wake up with the baby specifically to feed them. And that's what nobody tells you. You think it's just, oh, I'll get as much sleep as I can until the baby cries to be changed yeah, or cries no. to feed. That's not it. You have you to wake have up to and wake you have up. to wake them up. That whole never wake a sleeping baby thing lies. <laughs> we have to wake the sleeping baby every three hours. Well, I do. but So I guess part of you just thinks when you hear you're never going to sleep... That you're like, oh yeah, but I'll sleep sometimes. I'll sleep some days when the baby has a good night. It's nothing to do with if the baby has a good night or a bad night. No, because otherwise have he, to wake he would only up. wake us up like once, maybe twice a night. Yeah, otherwise. you have to wake yourself up and feed yeah. the baby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Especially this baby because he's a little, little bit on the tiny side. He's so tiny. He's a teeny tiny little weenie. <laughs> he's having trouble gaining some weight. He's... He's a pre- he's technically a preemie, even though he was a scheduled preemie three weeks early. And the doctors are like, he's not gaining enough weight fast enough. I'm like, his stomach is the size of, uh, I don't even know what to cover. I'm looking around like, there's got to be something here I can compare it to. His stomach is like the size of a nickel. And like, we can't put... Not a nickel. You know what I mean? It's a teeny tiny little stomach. How can we get enough food through this kid? Like, don't you have, like, cheeseburger in a bottle, something like donuts in a bottle that could, like, this kid could, like, carbo load? And I feed him whenever he wants to be fed or every three hours. Like, if he wants to eat before then, I feed him before then. So. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Let's get into the voicemails because we've got a whole bunch. Uh, we have, this one goes back to before Cooper was even born. This is from June 9th. So this is just, you know, with our schedule, with the baby being born and everything, this one goes back for a while. This is John Savage calling back at the beginning of June. Hey, guys, it's uh, John Savage from JC Keys calling in. Um, hope you all are doing well. I, uh, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I saw uh, there was another time in my life um, just came up. And uh, I just wanted to call and um, mention I always – um thought that that song um sounded a lot like uh, it reminds me a lot of air for free and i feel i feel like it has little inklings of air for free album um in it uh, i think 
maybe mostly because of the, the piano throughout the song. Um, anyway, I just want to call and share that. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, bye. I don't remember that episode anymore. Nope. <laughs> it was it was like six weeks ago at this we, point. We were different people then. <laughs> yeah, totally different people. <laughs> Although to be honest, you know, I don't actually feel any different as a person having I don't like feel like a dad. Like I feel like I'm his dad, but I don't feel like a oh, dad. Yeah, you don't feel like your life has just completely changed. <laughs> no, it feels comfortable. I mean it's like annoying that we have to feed him every three hours, but <laughs> Other than that, uh huh, yeah. How how often in the middle of the night do you get up for those feedings, Danny? Uh, all the time. <laughs> I work so hard to feed this baby. <laughs> anyway, so here's some voicemails coming in from when Cooper was born. No transcript on this one, so I just have to see who is calling. Hey, Danny and Jess, this is uh, Sean from Allentown. So uh, first and foremost, I just. I want to say uh, congratulations on the safe and healthy arrival of Cooper. I'm glad to hear that uh, everyone is doing fine. It all went well and everything that, you know, you guys are doing as well as you can on, you know, the amount of sleep that you're getting. And it sounds like you guys are uh, doing all right and having a good time with all that. I don't remember what we said about sleep uh, two weeks ago when you first left this voicemail. We already had this conversation that we just had. We're doing it again. Oh, I know. No. <laughs> uh, Moving on to the subject of the last episode on getting into you, I'm actually really excited that you got to that one finally. It's a pretty important song to me, at least from Reliant K, as in it was not the first, it might have been the very second uh, song that I actually learned how to play and sing at the same time on guitar. And it was, by that extension, the second song that I ever actually performed by myself, excuse me, on guitar in church and everything. So it was a uh, important thing to me and for me as far as my, you know, like interest in music and playing music and performing music goes and everything. Um, But more talking about getting into you itself, that what you found on Discogs, that premiere performance thing, those were not necessarily things for worship leaders or whatever, but those are things that, at least as far as I understood it and the way that I experienced it, um, is you could buy those for like solo performances in churches, like for special music or something. Um, they sold them for all kinds of different songs, like all sorts of CCM songs, like Stephen Good Chapman and everything like that. And I know this because my dad actually bought some of them and used them. And, um, I even actually heard this song performed in a wedding using a backing track like that. So that's really an indicator that, yes, Goatee really was trying to push this song as some kind of, you know, potential CCM hit for them. I mean, I remember even hearing it uh, organically in the radio at the time on Christian radio when the album was new and everything. So it was like this real push they were really trying to you know push for something that there were all like these interviews that they were doing with the members of the band and stuff like they they thought they had something here and you know as we know as history proves it didn't really turn into that but um that premiere performance thing you know was really an indicator of part of that push that they wanted this to be you know a big hit for them but yeah just some you know 
anecdotes I thought I'd share in uh, relation to it. So, yeah. Uh, once again, as always, love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm still listening. And once again, congratulations on. Nope. Right at the three-minute mark. Right at the three-minute mark, he got cut off. But he did call back um, a little bit later. So, yeah, that's... So, okay, that makes sense. Like, I thought it was maybe... When we talked about the Premiere Performance Plus CDs that existed that we didn't have our hands on and they weren't leaked on YouTube or anything, I assumed, like, is this something you buy for worship leaders? But no, I guess more specifically, it's for churches to play this music in some capacity in church in whatever way they want to do it that makes sense to me especially i would love to hear that because that premiere performance plus getting into you single has the track in two or three different keys so we should hear all of them what's so funny the baby yeah <laughs> jessica's got the baby in her lap so anyway and thank you yeah for, and for thank Cooper's you for well the well wishes, wishes. yeah so, oh, and that's great that that's the first song you learned to play and sing, and then you performed it for people. That's amazing. I mean, anybody who can play an instrument, it's amazing. But to play and sing, like, <laughs> extra amazing. I it's did, hard. It's not like I looked into the chords for this song, but I did notice, like, Curl Up and Die, that I'm assuming it's, like, a song that's good for someone to learn when they're just learning how to play guitar, because it looks like it ha it's not, like, overly complicated. It's not an overly complicated song, so it is a song that someone can pick up when they're just learning guitar and make this like the first song that they want to. Sometimes when like when I was learning guitar, it's like, oh, I want to learn. I can't remember what they were, but I'm like, I want to learn this song, and it's like, what the hell is that chord? <laughs> like it's too, too complicated, and like all the songs I really wanted to learn were like too complicated to learn while you're still learning guitar. Anyway, uh, Sean called back with another voicemail, so let's hear that one. Uh I'm using a new phone, so I don't know if my first email voicemail actually went through. So oh. I'm just going to repeat everything and hope that it actually goes through this time. Um, it's oh, okay. Well, he was just waiting. <laughs> I mean, he just described it, but we did hear your first voicemail. So yeah. should we also listen to the second voicemail just in case there's new tidbits in it? Well, I suppose we could just like peruse it. I'm going to preview it, it yeah. and then we'll edit it and we'll edit back anything that's that's he might have stated differently. But I, but I appreciate him double-checking and being afraid that the first voicemail might have been lost. And that's funny that he said that because the first voicemail, Google wouldn't translate it. They didn't transcript it, transcribe it. They didn't transcribe it. But the second one, they did. So there must have been some reason why Sean thought that the first voicemail didn't go through because there was that s small indication from my side that something was up. But nothing was up. It all came through. <clears throat> So I listened back through the email of the second voicemail, and he restated everything perfectly. It's like, good job, good memory tests for yourself to restate it all. But yeah, we heard it in the first voicemail. So thank you, Sean, for calling. Um, we'll go to the next voicemail, which is James from Oklahoma. Hey, guys, this is uh, James from Oklahoma. I left a voicemail a couple months ago that you guys played, and that was pretty cool. I just wanted to get on and say congratulations for the new baby. Um, and uh, I'm going to be right there. I already have a two-year-old, but um, we are, me and my wife, are going to welcome My wife. <laughs> Danny. Our second child in just 
little bit over a month. It's early September, probably, uh, unless he picks the route that uh, Cooper did, which comes early. But um, just exciting phase of life of growing the family. I have to say, and you probably um, you, you probably agree with me, having a child changes things. You never thought you could love somebody so much. So with my wife, there existed a time that I didn't love my wife. I, I fell in love with my wife, right? I, I had to meet her first, and I wasn't instantly in love. I fell in love with my wife. But with my son, there never existed a time where my son existed and I didn't love him. Like, Are you saying there was another time in your life? Maybe he's getting to that. Or maybe not. His only requirement for my love is just existing. He, there's nothing that he could do for that love to go away, and um, and that's a that's a different kind of love. Makes me want to be a better person. Makes me want to be a better man. Makes me want to try to make the world a better place for my son. And um, I'm just excited for you guys in this new chapter of life and this growing of family stage. Like I said, I'm about to have my second, and um, just a fun time to be in. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank That's you. great. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny. Like when I said before, I just said it before, but I was like, I don't feel like I'm different. Like my life obviously has changed, but it feels natural. I guess that's all I'm going for. It's a natural I guess progression. It's a natural progression. Right. It's something I waited for. It's something I was waiting for and hoping for and thinking about for yeah. so long that when it happened, I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be like this almost this should have happened earlier right so that's all i meant like i was like when we left the hospital i was like excited and like i'm so excited for the world that we're gonna build for our son and everything but at the same time like waiting to be a dad i was thinking like when people would tell me you're never going to be the same i thought there'd be like a change in me you know what i mean like or there is but not the kind of change i'm thinking of like i just feel like a totally different person but i don't I feel like the same me, but yes, now I'm completely devoted to my son. So I guess it was just like, it just felt so natural. And I felt, if I feel like I fell into it. Now we'll see how things go as he starts to talk and connect to us and turn his back on us and give us grief. <laughs> I got the mom I'm excited brain, for all so of it. I'm just like, I definitely feel different. <laughs> my brain is like, I still have to lunch. <laughs> I, I've heard it doesn't go away. <laughs> I'm scared, Danny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no I love wonderful. this little. I love this little being. I was just more like than anything. He was looking at me right before we podcasted. Jessica was. Jessica handed him to me, and she was like, "Here, hold him while I set up the the computer and the microphone and everything." And then he started looking at me. I'm like, oh, "You're looking at me," because <laughs> he yeah. for the first couple of weeks <laughs> he didn't look at you, right? He was just kind of like, "What's going on? What's going on around here?" He just kind of looks around randomly, but this time he like turned and looked at me, and I'm like, "You can see me." <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, James, thank for you. calling. And that was beautiful. Here is another voicemail from Allie. Hello, Jess, Dan, and Cooper. It's Allie been a while since I left a message, but just wanted to drop in and say congrats and say hello to Mr. Cooper. Um, hope everyone is doing well. 
I also wanted to drop a little note and say that I'm going to the Ohio is for Lovers Festival in September. And just wondering if there's anybody else out there listening that is also going to go. It'd be fun to do a little meetup of some kind. So, yeah, I will document the whole experience and send you all a bunch of pictures and videos if you want. And it should be a fun time. So, anyway, have a great day. And, uh, yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, yeah, so Reliant K, that's right, they have all of those. Thank you, Allie, yeah, for calling thank you. and saying hello to Cooper. But, yeah, they have those three uh, festivals coming up. The Is for Lovers, Ohio Is for Lovers Festival, Furnace Fest, which is in just a matter of pretty much weeks now, like about a month, and uh, When We Were Young. So, yeah, if anyone wants to meet up, I mean, we're not going to any of those, unfortunately, yeah. for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> But that's, yeah, that's awesome. And we definitely want to see all your pics, hear your stories, everybody call in as well, yeah. like as they happen. And yeah, we should figure out how to, I mean, I guess we How have, to facilitate yeah. connections and meetups. Meet and then if anyone out there I'm wants. I'm like, because like, I know we have like a Discord thing or whatever, but like, not everybody we wants to be I on Discord. I don't want to go on Discord. I'm sure lots of people There's an official Reliant K Discord, which is just run, it's on its own. I forgot until you said this. I haven't thought about it in a year, but we have a Discord room on the um, Growing Up Punk, that our friends from that podcast. They started a Discord years ago, and they got all their other friend podcasts to have their own rooms in their Discord. I've completely forgotten it's there. I'm very bad at Discord. I actually don't enjoy it. I'll drop in occasionally to talk about or share something specifically, but like I don't have time before I had a baby, to just constantly <laughs> be on Discord. Like, I liked Twitter. Does it give you, like, push notifications? Can you know no, to go in for that? No, these are the really big problems that I've had with Discord. I'm sorry, see, so, I don't know anything about it. Twitter, I enjoyed up until it's being currently ruined. But <laughs> it's like you could have a conversation and you could drop out of the conversation and come back to it and find it's still there. You could easily find tweets from years ago or months ago, or days ago, and drop in and leave a comment on them. You could retweet things from previous. Discord is basically an old-fashioned chat room. It is an old-fashioned chat room. It's like a big old AIM chat room. So, like, the idea of going back is so tedious. It's a giant, endless chat room. And I feel like the chat room format is the old way of doing things, and I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy the endless chat room. Like, I guess, you know, technically, a D, if you have, like, a messenger group or a text group with friends, that's one thing. But, you know, like, if you have a text group with friends, like, you don't necessarily go back easily anyway and see what did we talk about three years ago yeah, or you have something. to use like the the now there's like a search at least right. on iphone and there's a search in discord as well so it's sometimes like when we're researching a song i will go to the reliant k discord and i'll type in the name of the song or if we're thinking about some rant you know we're talking about like someone from the band I'll go in and type in a word to see who's talked about this already in the Discord. And maybe I don't even have to ask questions about it. But I just don't enjoy the endless 
it is the scrolling and the time requirement for discord feels way worse than just regular social media like tiktok or twitter to me and then push notifications i couldn't just put on push notification i couldn't find and i spent months trying to do this i couldn't find where you just have push notifications for when someone alerts you specifically so it's literally push notifications to be like this ding 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 because you have like five because i'd have like five different subscriptions to different like overall discord servers and each one of those has a different room (laughs) and like god forbid i look or leave a comment in one suddenly i'm going to be getting push notifications for every single thing i'm like no no this isn't this is not this is not acceptable (laughs) so i've never been a good discorder i don't enjoy it but anyway if people want to facilitate meetups through <laughs> us for the three festivals Reliant K is playing this summer and fall, please let us know. We'll figure out how to do this. I don't know how we're going to do it. Our main for our main social media format that's all text-based is just dying because of this idiot who owns it. But we'll see. I don't know. There's our Facebook group. Don't forget there's the Sadie Hawkins group on Facebook. We'll figure things out. And if you want to DM us on Instagram... Facebook, uh, Twitter, just let us know. If you want us to send you some stickers that you can give to people, you can just hand people our stickers. I don't mind doing that. I'll just send you free ones. Send you a big pack of stickers and you can hand them out for us. You can be our street team, our old-fashioned yeah. street team. Yep. So uh, let's see. I remember signing up for to be part of the Reliant K Street team, like, back during MySpace days. Uh-huh. I, nothing happened of that. I didn't, like, get anything to, to hand out to people. I didn't, whatever. It was just like, yeah, go tell people about Reliant K. It's like, all right. Little did I know, like, 20 years later, we have this podcast. <laughs> so now I'm part of Reliant K Street team. Yes. So now we have a voicemail from Daniel. Hey, guys. It's Daniel. Uh... First of all, congratulations on Cooper. That's super exciting um, for you guys. It's Cooper exciting. Very happy for you guys. Um, also, uh, just calling in with some thoughts about getting into you. Um, first, a little anecdote. Uh, when I <clears throat> was going into my freshman year of college, um, as a music program uh, that I was going into, they wanted me to, like, kind of audition for it. Like, I had already been, like, accepted to college, but, like, to know what kind of group they wanted to place me that they wanted me to do an audition. And part of that was um, playing and singing a song at the same time. And so I chose to do Getting Into You, um, which at that point was a song I was very comfortable with because this was 2007, so it wasn't new still. Um, I'd learned it a long time ago, but for whatever reason, I got really nervous kind of in the middle of it once I started playing and, and, uh, I, I just sang the first chorus, like the way he sings it, the first chorus where he doesn't go up as high. I just sang that all three times as a chorus and I don't really know why I kind of choked on that, but it didn't seem to matter. I still, uh, you know, got whatever I wanted from the music program, so. Um, but just kind of a fun little story there. Um, and then also, I don't know if I agree with the classification of the, of the, of getting into you and, uh, for the moments and, um, uh, those words all being kind of worship songs.
I think the needle or the sorry the missing link that you're trying to hit there is that uh, I would say that like getting into you especially is more of just like it wasn't necessarily trying to be like a worship song, but it was trying to be like a CCM radio hit. And back in those days, because uh, that was 20 years ago, um, you know, you still had CCM as its own kind of thing that wasn't necessarily just worship music. Now pretty much CCM is just worship music. You know, Hillsong or whatever is like so huge. And Hillsong existed back then too, but it wasn't as, um, you know, it, it just wasn't everything like it is now. Um, I think my voicemail time is about to run out, so I'm going to cut this off here and then call back. And then Daniel cut himself off because he was afraid that he was about to run out of time, so he calls back. And I have to say, before I play part two of his voicemail, in both cases, you know, it's a three-minute limit. It's exactly to the second a three-minute limit by Google Voice. Somehow Daniel managed to get both of these voicemails at exactly two minutes and 43 seconds. Oh, wow. That feels impressive to me for some reason, that two voicemails back-to-back are to the second cut off by himself at exactly two minutes and 43 seconds. I don't know why that feels impressive. Yeah. But yeah, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that like, I think for the moment that you'll faint, I I do think that qualifies as like a worship song. Um, Like it is like easy to learn and repeatable, um, easy to sing. Yeah, I understand what he's saying. And and, uh, who said this before? I don't remember. Was it James or was it... uh... Sean, <laughs> I don't remember who specifically said this now, but the, you know that, uh, oh, it was, um, sorry, it was Sean. Sean said this because his dad had the the Premiere Plus style CDs. I see how like, yeah, in the 2000s and in the 90s, uh, worship was a separate, was a very clearly defined separate genre from CCM hits. I mean, the WoW CDs are divided in such, were divided in such a manner. But, like, I guess then those lines continued to blur for Christian pop culture throughout the 2000s, where worship and CCM are just kind of interchangeable. And then lots of churches play Christian pop songs and uh non-christian pop songs like recontextualize as part of sunday worship like we see i've seen and people i'm sure are familiar with the concept of like playing a beatles song during sunday worship recontextualized to be for the lord and some songs not necessarily being like lift your hands up praise the lord worship but still being a part of sunday worship still being essentially the form of pop songs and being something that you praise to. I mean, every, like, skate punk video, every, every what are those YMCA skate park videos that we see, there's these kids in the front who have their hands up with the palms pointed up and the wrists towards their face, like, up like this, like, praising the Lord to Reliant K skate punk songs. Like, like skate punk Christian kids, like the ones from that King of the Hill episode, they will praise and worship to anything. So, you know, the lines were slowly getting blurred. So, but I do see that Daniel is correct to say that this, that getting into you is more of like a CCM pop hit than an actual like 
church sanctuary worship song. I love that you said like this and did the hand gesture you were talking about, but this is a podcast. Well, that's why I described it. I showed it to you so you could see what I was saying. And then if you wanted to, you know, step in and give a better description of what I was doing, you know, be like my team member, be my teammate. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> this is how the parenting goes as well. Like I spend all the time parenting and she just sits on the couch watching TV. This is not true. Jessica's doing an amazing job. She is leading the parenting. She's an amazing mama. And I'm constantly giving you praise and worship for what an amazing job you're doing as a mom. Um, so, and, you know, I personally have performed that, like, at church services before. So um, I, I think it is, I don't know if it was written meant to be that way, because obviously it came from Curb and that song is a little different. Um, but it does, it can function that way as a worship song in a way that I don't think getting into you quite does. I I could see like a youth group band playing it for sure. Cause then the kids would probably already know it. Um, but for like a main church worship service, you're right. It doesn't work that well, but what it would work for is TCM radio, you know, the kind of Caleb kind of stuff. Um, it, it would have, it should have gotten more airplay on that back in the day, probably. Um, but that's also what sets it apart from other Reliant K songs, in my opinion, is that um, they really just didn't write a lot of stuff that was meant for that kind of format. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't, I definitely don't hate getting into you, but it does feel like you can tell like they wrote it explicitly for that, which is also kind of the same gripe that I have about Be My Escape. It just, something about it feels like they were trying to write a CCM radio single. Um, and I worship song or CCM radio song. I don't feel like applies. I don't feel like either of those apply to those words are not enough. Like lyrically. Sure. Like that song is all about, you know, quote unquote praising, but like, uh, you know, instrumentally and like song format wise, like that song has a really weird, structure as well i really just think they were rocking out and uh just those happen to be the word it just happened that he wrote some really praiseful very christian lyrics to that song so it i mean also with that like that is i've never heard somebody try and like group those three songs together before and um that is an interesting perspective but uh yeah just uh not necessarily following the logic there, uh, personally. So, anyway, uh, yeah, that's it. Which two songs did we group together that Three Daniel songs. said we were wrong about? He's, I grouped together, in my mind, the those words are not enough, for the moments I feel faint, and getting into you feel like, sort of, I would not, do they just feel like of a certain type of song that you can group together within the Reliant K discography? You just remember you were just asking because yeah. you couldn't remember what they, just because they feel like praise and I guess yeah, I, I get your logic but I I also get Daniel's logic I guess it, what Daniel said is worshipful or praiseful like yeah. I would just say those three songs are worshipful yeah and I, praiseful. I, you don't mean like like lyrical content necessarily like in anything specific and definitely not music wise right because like every album is primarily praiseful and worshipful 
uh, every, uh, Reliant, full of Reliant K songs in those themes. But then when you take the type of music, the kind of lifting music and the lyrics together, those three songs just, just make to me head my head canon. I feel like those are like the closest, those three songs are the closest Reliant K came to doing a worship song even though they are not, except for those, the moments I feel faint is like a worship song. They are not like a hill song or a new style newsboys song. They are very much Reliant K songs with some of those elements. Like, I don't think you can easily just tell Reliant K, Hey, write this kind of song and make it exactly like that thing. I think there's still going to be too much of their unique DNA in it. Even like be my escape, which I don't disagree with. I never thought of it that way. But I don't disagree with Daniel's point that like Be My Escape is sort of like Reliant K trying to write a radio rock pop song. I get it. I get how you can hear Be My Escape compared to everything else they did up to that point and feel that way. But I feel like even Reliant K sitting down to say, let's write a radio friendly pop rock song of the middle 2000s. It still has so much Reliant K DNA in it that sets it apart from other songs that it's like trying to copy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I I think this has always been a part of Reliant K is that they're able to take their influences and the styles of music and the styles of releasing music and the, the purpose of music and say, let's write this kind of song. Let's write that kind of song. Let's do a song kind of like this. I think the only the be- only the worst case of that is like collapsible lung. <laughs> only like that. So that's like a whole different thing from what I'm talking about. Like collapsible lung being a bunch of different styles of pop that were popular up to that point that's a slightly different thing that's off to the side over here but when you listen to like all the different styles on five score some of the different types of like pseudo post hardcore in softer to me and like radio pop friendly songs with like be my escape there's still so much unique dna in his in ryan k and mattison's songwriting that you're never gonna I don't think most Reliant K songs you'd ever hear listen to it to be like that is just generic blah 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 whatever genre whatever scene whatever form even if it is the most of them trying to do something like that they're still gonna have their own unique take in that concept which I think is to me these three songs that I just feel like are the most worshipful they they're not flat out worship songs because like Reliant K will always kind of do what they do except then go to the demo and i really have developed this feeling now especially with Tyson's fake british accent that it was like i want to do a punk band like when you're i mean they were what like 16 but like when you're nine and you're like i want to be a punk band and you pick up a guitar and you start to speak it in a british accent and you're like oh anarchy anarchy <laughs> like i really feel like the demo i really feel like all work and no play was like little was like little teen boys loving tooth and nail records and being like we want to be on tooth and nail records we want to be one of those christian bands Mm -hmm. and then figuring out pretty quickly from their development deal with goatee and they're getting into tours and getting out there and performing and writing more music realizing well no we're just going to be musicians and be ourselves and Go wherever that takes us. But I really do think that with all work and no play, I'm kind of off on a tangent right now, but I'm just talking about where Reliant K gets their influences and which ones they follow and which ones they don't. Anyway, <laughs> those are all the voicemails. Thank you, everyone, for calling. Thank you. I knew we had thank a time to get through this Thank you for the Cooper, congrats. And thank you for the Coop, the Coop, 
Coop Grats? The Coop Poops. <laughs> it's a new segment. Coop Poops. What's up with Coop? I don't mean, you know, like the straight poop, like the straight tonk. I, you know, I like how the word poop sometimes means talk. Right. But it's also it's also a double meaning because he's a baby and he poops. Everyone he, does. Yeah, everyone poops. Oh, we got to get a copy of that book. Yeah. Yeah. We have some time. <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, so Getting Into You is the song we're talking about this week. <laughs> no, that's the song we talked about two weeks ago. If You Believe Me, which I know Jessica never believes me because I'm always making stuff up. I'm always lying. I'm always... Yep trying to keep her on her toes but we're talking about uh i'm taking you with me <laughs> no what is it called if you believe if me. you believe me wow <laughs> i kind of didn't do that one on purpose that's not that last one um if you believe me so second to last song that or second to last episode that we have to do for the album forget not oh, slow down that's right because, the last song gets held off because there are two more tracks after this but they are one song yeah uh this is the end if you want it. We're going to do it as a single episode. Our plan has always been to do it last. Whether or not Relanke comes out with new music, by the time we finish the original <laughs> list... I'm looking at you, oh, Relanke, because I was going to say that is other top of the show news. That's other top of the show business. Let's take a step back. So, Relanke... This is the longest top of the show business. Oh, whatever. Ever. We had a ton of voicemails, but this is very important. Relanke has announced a new... Involvement with a one new Reliant K song that is coming out soon. It's a cover of a Switchfoot song because it is a special edition of the our version of Switchfoot's Beautiful Letdown, where a bunch of other bands cover every song on a Beautiful Letdown. The Beautiful Letdown, the a some Beautiful Letdown, our Beautiful Letdown. They should have just called the song. They should have called the. The new re-recorded version. They should have called it Our Beautiful Letdown. So anyway, let me find this. Yeah, I gotta take a little step back. I'm sorry I almost launched us into the song. But okay, so a couple of... I don't remember how long ago it was now. But a couple of weeks... A couple of months ago, there was footage of Reliant... There was a picture of Reliant K's uh, equipment at Dark Horse, at the studio. And everyone, and the people who noticed it, it wasn't posted on their official stuff. It wasn't posted on Matt Hoops's accounts or anything, but it was on the Dark Horse Instagram. And it is called Dark Horse, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, 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 it was on the Dark Horse Instagram and it was their equipment. So everyone's like, ooh, something's happening. Are they working on the album? Are they working on a new album? Are they working on a new album? The Discord, the previously mentioned Discord, which Daniel is an active member on, I hopped over there to see that day what were they talking about. Everyone was talking about that someone had word that what they were working on in there was a cover, a cover song of some sort. And people and some people in the Discord were disappointed. They were like, "Oh, I don't want them to be working on a cover. I want them to be working on a new song." Yeah. And we brought this up on our show because of the rumors. And I was like, kind of makes sense. Now, I didn't know. We know now what it was. But at the time, I was like, kind of makes sense. Maybe they're planning to release a single to sort of announce, you know, hey, guys, we're back. Here's a new song. We're working on new material. But for now, here's a stopgap release after almost six years of no new music. That's not what's happening. What it turned out they were working on (laughs) was the Switchfoot cover for this special edition of Beautiful Letdown. So... Beautiful Letdown, our version, deluxe edition. Uh, you can go and look at the whole track list and who's covering what. But you got John Bellion, uh, Noah Gunderson, 
Monica Martin, Reliant K covering Ammunition, Ryan Tedler from One Republic, Colony House, The Jonas Brothers, Owl City, Ingrid, Ingrid Andrus, Dayglow, Tyler Joseph of 21 Pilots, and Sleeping at Last. So those are the bands that will be covering the entire Our Beautiful Letdown album. I'm going to call it Our Beautiful Letdown. <laughs> so Reliant K is in there. That's what they were working on a couple of months ago. Then they release a little interview footage, a little thing just this week of them saying, hey, Furnace Fest, hey, everyone, we'll be at Furnace Fest. Are you looking forward to it? And they're sitting in the studio. Now, did they record this a couple months ago when they were in the studio working on this Switchfoot thing? Or have they been in the studio all year working on an album and they're not letting any inklings of this get out because of that time that John Schneck and I think also Ethan posted some sly accidental things of, hey, we're all meeting together and practicing for Um Yeah. And then I think it was... Ethan Luck, when we interviewed him, said, like, yeah, like, the whole team was like, hey, everyone, come to us, you know, like, let's all talk about anything we post before we post it, so no ideas get out, no ideas get out there to the fans of what's going on. So I think Reliant K has been much more secretive about social media posts that would make you think they're working on new music. Well, speaking of John Schneck leaking things, he did (laughs) post a story to his Instagram with pictures of, like, guitars and pedals and stuff that said writing. Now, is this part of Reliant K or does John Schneck have other projects? I don't know, but... Are are they doing a sequel to that Walt Disney biopic? And he's writing the score to that one, too? As Dreamers do, too. As Dreamers, too. And he's writing the score to that one. I'm not sure there were a lot of electric guitars in uh, the, in the, in, the, in that score. Well, yeah, because this one's going to follow up on, they like, follow, further into the... They follow Roy Disney. Yeah. <laughs> or his son. As Dreamers, too. As Dreamers, too. Yeah, that's the name, that's of, that's the name the of the movie. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see what they're writing. Um, anyway... Yeah, sorry, I almost forgot about that top of the show business. That's what's going on. We will have the first new Reliant K song. When is this getting released? September 15th. So on September 15th, when the Our, I'm calling it Our Beautiful Letdown Deluxe Edition comes out, we'll have one new Reliant K cover. And then who knows what will be coming out after that with all these different festivals and things. It's funny. I was like, huh. Uh, the Jonas Brothers, that's odd. And then I was like, wait, no, it isn't. Because if you remember back when they first started, they were part of that whole, like, purity ring culture right. thing. Like, and I they had weren't totally really, forgotten about that. They weren't really CCM stuff, but they were, like, purity culture stuff. They were yeah. definitely influenced by, and I've talked about their connection to, like, Christian bands. And they were only listened to, like, MXPX and stuff when they were young. Whoops, whoops, that's... That's telling me it's time to feed Cooper, but I, I already did. I, I did it before my okay. alarm went off. All right. Well, sorry, Cooper. You're going to have to wait. Mommy won't feed you. You stop. <laughs> so anyway. I chose to feed him instead right before the podcast, so I have another hour. <laughs> if you believe me, Cooper has already been fed, so let's get into the song, If You Believe Me. As I was saying, this is the second to last uh, forget not slow down episode that we have planned unless we do a redo of any uh, previous song for any reason we don't have that planned at this point maybe we will second to last episode this song is definitely like the most painful <laughs> song uh, lyrically on a mostly painful lyrical album right <laughs> there's a lot to get into it's an interesting song because it's a flat out banger it's a killer <laughs> this is a really good rockin 
great song. How does every song on Forget Not yes. Go Down? Flat out bangers. But this one definitely is like something of a black sheep of the main songs. Not counting the intros, the outros, the interstitials. Oh, he doesn't agree. <laughs> not counting the intros, outros, interstitials, all those little tracks. I'm just talking about full compositional songs. Sweets as we sometimes call them, like, with Savannah. Like, when you look at each full suite, each full track song, this is something of a black sheep in the track list because it's kind of lyrically the saddest one on an otherwise sad album. But like most of the songs, the music is happy, so maybe you don't get it. But the lyric, the hook, the line is... You you don't miss what he's singing about. So, like, you know what he's singing about, and it's sad. And then they've apparently never played this song live. It's apparently the only song on this album that they've never played live. And before COVID hit, it's more than a... It's, it's less than absolutely confirmed that they were going to do some sort of 10th or 11th anniversary Forget Not Slow Down tour. COVID hit... Those plans go out the window, COVID restrictions start to lift, and they put together the Um Yeah tour. They just decide to do just a regular tour, not a special album tour, right? They should just do their own Eras tour, <laughs> their own version of their Eras tour. They kind of do that every night, though, don't they? What is yeah, the Eras tour? Yeah, but they tour? switch it all around. Like, Taylor Swift they do a plays, like, list. chunks of each album. She plays chunks album. of each album. Yeah, in, in a row. Like, Less all than in a row. Jake did that. I saw a Less <laughs> Than Jake tour where they did that. This is no big deal. I just mean, like, that Reliant K needs to do it for all of the albums that they've missed anniversaries for. So, like, they have to, it's like, forget not slow down and collapsible lung and the self-titled. <laughs> like, all the ones that they miss doing specific tours for, they have to, like, go back and do now. I saw a local New Hampshire ska punk band called Five Bucks <laughs> at their final show. And they literally, and this was in, like, 2002 when they broke up. They literally did that format, Eras. They did, like, th three or four songs from each album chronologically, and then they broke up. Oops, I can turn my Bluetooth off so I don't get those <laughs> text message alerts. Anyway. I mean, nobody said Taylor was reinventing the wheel here, Danny. You don't have to get No, so people are constantly saying she reinvented the wheel, because when she did the My Version stuff, everyone's like, wow, wow, what a great idea she came up with for the first time ever. Do you mean teenagers like, on the internet, Danny, or adults? I'm like, Def Leppard did this, like, <laughs> eight years yeah. before she did. Real Big Fish did this, like, ten years before she did. <laughs> so many bands have re-recorded their music and tried to... And there's some people... There's some bands who re-record it and don't try too hard to make it sound like the original recording. But Real Big Fish and Def Leppard, they tried to make it sound as much like the original as they could. Journey did this. Journey re-recorded all their big hits with their new singer that they found. And didn't he live leave recently? Did he leave again? I don't remember. I don't think so. We saw Journey with Def Leppard. We, we did. That's kind of why it clicked in my mind. That's old school. <laughs> I was about to do that, darn you. <laughs> So anyway, I'm not trying to, I'm not hating on Taylor Swift. I'm just saying it's nothing, it's no big deal. It's no new thing. Yes, but you're right. Reliant K could do some sort of Eras style thing. And everyone would be like, you're doing this like it's Taylor Swift. It's like, no, it's a format of concert that has happened before. Uh, but I will also say like, um, yeah, like they just do a set list that just kind of covers a little bit of everything. Except for the albums we want to hear, which are the self-titled and Collapsible Lung. Like, I just want them to do a Collapsible Lung self-titled 
double set. <laughs> they play both those albums back to back. What what was the best album and the worst album? <laughs> now that's an idea for what's, a tour. What's the what, you think so you think the best album is the self-titled one? Oh, I thought you said sorry. I thought you said forget not slow down. No, I the self-titled. Oh man. <laughs> I said they should no do No one would show up for that. Because, yeah, it seems like those are the two albums that people kind of put But that'd be great if you, did, if you did, like, a like a, a best album and worst album tour together. Because it's like, so you want to go because they play, like, every song from their best album. But they're also going to play every song from their worst them. album. Exactly. And you don't know when it's going to happen. So it's like... This is a great format for any band. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're like, yeah. And then you're like, oh, man. Like, yeah, and you're like, um, so you never know when you can go to the bathroom or get a drink or anything <laughs> because you never know what song is coming next. Yeah. Like, uh, They Might Be Giants, the tour, the tickets that I bought three year, four years ago, and I finally went, like, this year. Um, well, all their songs are their worst songs, Danny. <laughs> hey. That was supposed to be a flood 30th anniversary tour, but then COVID hit, and those tickets kept getting moved and kept getting moved and kept getting moved. So by the time the show finally happened, it was no... And they had a new album out by the time the show happened. They still played every song from Flood, but they didn't do it as a Flood show anymore. They were like, hey, we're just going to do two sets and we'll play every Flood song throughout the night. So yeah, you could do that. That's a proven format where you could just play... You don't have to do an album tour where you play the whole album in the exact sequence. Like You can mix it up. You can do the album backwards you can do full set where you promise every song from the album throughout and yeah well do the if good you believe me album. we're gonna get back on track <laughs> and this song features matt mcdonald of the classic crime who is also featured on sahara that's right and we didn't talk too much about classic crime uh i think with sahara because i was not i've just never been familiar with them same i wasn't familiar with a lot of like the uh, what would it be like the third or fourth generation of christian like punk rock and and like a punk adjacent rock uh by the time of by the time i went to college in 2007 i was like i got my bands i'm good whatever new bands are happening that's fine so the classic crime was part of that wave of bands that i just wasn't paying attention to when their material was coming out but they're very active right now like um they have a new album that a recent album that came out people i saw people in our Twitter sphere talking about it and someone at mentioned us to the classic crime a couple of months ago and they were like, what are some podcasts I can listen to? Oh, nice. Thanks guys. <laughs> so I'm a little bit more familiar with them now. Um, but yeah, his, his like, if you believe, I, mean, I assume that's him doing the, if you believe me part, like the hook of the song, cause it doesn't sound like anyone else from the band, right? Like that's the belting part. Like if you believe me, like, I think that's got to be him, right? <laughs> I went yeah. and listened to some classic crime to really try to figure out his voice. I'm like, yeah, it kind of sounds like him, but it definitely doesn't sound like Tyson singing that. And I know I have a tendency to mix up Tyson and Dave Douglas, but Dave Douglas is not on this album. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Who else is it? Is it Schneck? Is it Schneck belting out those If You Believe Me's? No, I'm sure it's the so. classic crime guy. Um, So, yeah, well, as I was saying <laughs> a while ago. You never know. It could be Warren. I guess it could be, yeah. Well, I'm just going to assume it's the classic crime guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know what they say about assuming, but I think this is a pretty safe <laughs> assumption. So this, so this is a song that they never played live. And as I was getting to before, 
if they did, if it wasn't for COVID and they had done that uh, Forget Not Slow Down anniversary tour, maybe we would have finally got live performances of this song, but they've never played this song live. And that is so strange because this is a pretty short album. And to think that they've never played this one song. And I'm like, is it because the theme of this song is probably the most painful of the entire album? Like even Sahara, Sahara is a very dark song. It might be the most lyrically dark song on the whole thing. It alludes to a little, like a, like a lion cub uh, or, uh, or you know, it's either a cub or it's a grown uh, lion and it's being eaten and its brains are being eaten by the vultures and stuff. Like, that's a pretty dark illusion within a Reliant K song. But the fact that this is like a pleading to someone who is like, who your relationship is falling apart with and so desperately pleading, if you believe me, and that's the hook of the song, it makes it feel like a much darker lyrically song. And so is that the reason why they never played this song live? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting that you keep calling it like the most painful and stuff. Uh, You know, because it's like, I know on the surface what this song is about, but really looking through the lyrics kind of gave me pause because it's either a really gaslighty song. Right. That's what it kind of can be taken away. There there are some lyrics that kind of threw me like that. uh, I fell in love and I wanted to say it was you. That really threw me. And it's like, it's like, is this like a love the one you're with kind of song? Because like, I always thought, you know, this song in what I consider the rock opera of Forget and Not Slow Down as like the stages of grief post breakup is sort of like a denial and like bargaining sort of a song almost like, like kind of turning it around. Like I didn't do anything. If you believe me, we can keep on going and be great. But that lyric, I fell in love and I wanted to say it was you, confuses me. Right. And it's like, he's definitely trying to reason. Like, he's trying to convince himself that he wasn't the only one in this, that it was a little bit of both of them that kind of led to the end of things. And he keeps wanting to blame her, but he's realizing that it really is on him. And maybe that if she accepts that, then maybe they can go back to get get back together and kind of move forward. Right. I guess what part of what makes this painful as a song is so we've had a house rule on this podcast since we started that we're not interested in jibba jabbing or or blabbing or (laughs) gossiping about anyone's personal relationships we've had to dip into that occasionally when it was called for and then there's a handful of songs that matt teeson has written that definitively he has said in interviews which girlfriend this song is about and then of course this album he has said who this album is about and the end of the relationship that he had that led to this album. Yep, Katy and then, Perry. Yeah. <laughs> and then his fiance from the time, not her, not the one you just named, but the fiance from the time, there's this whole thing and we're not comfortable talking about it, but it's like now this song is almost like saying you have to talk about it. Like you have to fully talk about it or else how can you really tackle this song? So it's his fiance from the time she went on record without naming a fiance and said, I was cheated on by this fiance. And then people extrapolate what they want from that. And who was she dating as close as that? And then you look at Matt Thiessen and who did he break up with that led to the writing of this song? You can draw your own conclusions, but the fact is they're two grown adults and they seem to have, you know, stepped away from this relationship and 
she chose not to name who she was talking about. So I feel it's appropriate to respect those particular boundaries as well as we could. Now we have to get into the gymnastics of talking about this song, which feels like it's the most confronting to those uh, circumstantial, cir- circumstantial, <laughs> circumstantial uh, ideas of facts that we have. Don't worry, Dan, those braces are coming off real soon. Right? <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, yeah, that's another thing is I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast in September because I'm having I'm finally having my corrective jaw surgery for my underbite. I'm told I can talk, but I don't know if I'm going to want to talk for three hours of a podcast every week. So maybe we're going to take a break, but we'll decide what's what's going to happen. I think we have another little bit to decide by the next episode. But anyway, so if Matt Thiessen is accused of or, you know, shown to have possibly been unfaithful in a relationship with someone that leads to the writing of this album, then you hear this song... And you can jump to the conclusion of this is a partner in a relationship yelling, I didn't cheat on you. If you believe me, we could make it through this. That's awkward. It's it's a little painful to think about. It's like you're getting a little too close to private matters in an album that in a lot of ways takes these private painful matters and kind of puts sort of a abstract spin on many of them an artistic license and a poetic way of rephrasing these facts that he's inspired by even when he's being literal and talking about my therapy is driving just to drive even when he's talking about literal things they're still abstract enough from the pain that led to the writing of this album but this is like the most inviting you to just make these assumptions about this is what he's saying but i'm like i'm honestly asking is that what he's saying? Because it's the easiest thing to jump to to say this is a part. This is a male partner in a relationship being accused of cheating, and yell and and pleading to her to say, "If you believe me that I didn't cheat on you, we can make it through this." I feel like that's too obvious an interpretation in an album that otherwise begs for interpretation. And it begs the listener to really interpret these songs. So I think maybe there's more here. There's a deeper meaning to it. But unfortunately, unfortunately or not unfortunately, I think this song, as much of a banger as it is, it lends itself to just being assumed as the lyrically, like, most easy to understand. But I'm like, I just, the rest of these songs are not that easy to understand. Well, I don't know. Why don't we why don't we actually go through the lyrics and okay. see how you feel? Verse one. Would you like me to go through the genius annotations <laughs> now or later? Do the genius annotations <laughs> later. I don't okay. want to hear those as we go. There's only like two. Okay. Verse one. I got a chill and I wanted to say it was you. Be still because what I'm about to say is the truth. Unless we stretch until the point in nearly breaking in two. We'll never find our weakness coming unglued. A cracked sculpture, I wanted to say it was you. Being vultures... Statues crumble for me. (laughs) I always think of that. Being vultures is why I feel the way that I do. I fell in love... And vultures, referencing the vultures. I was actually wondering about that. If it's the same thing. If it's the same... uh, If that's alluding to that as well, or if it's circumstantial. Are the vultures us? Are the vultures... Not just us on this podcast, but are the vultures the people who are going to be gossiping about their relationship? 
Well, it says being vultures is why I feel the way I do. So are th- are they the vultures? Hmm. I gotta look at the these. two people in the relationship. Yeah, right. you really have to look at them, especially in the 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 verses. I'll be on AZ lyrics just in case there are like mistypings on either. Uh, I fell in love and I wanted to say it was you. I wanted to say it was you. If you believe me, we could stand the test of time like no one else. If you believe me, it means you have to disbelieve yourself. So that's really the most damning line, right? Is if you believe me, it means you have to disbelieve yourself. If it is as simple as you think I was unfaithful to you, but I swear I wasn't, you have to disbelieve yourself. That sounds like really damning and and difficult to digest and like you're gaslighting someone. But I also would question like, is it a matter of I do love you and you think I don't love you no matter what outside forces and outside facts or non facts, whatever they know happened between the two of them, whatever anyone believed, not not relevant to us as the audience. What's relevant to us as the audience as this is a man who sees this relationship crumbling and says, I love you. You don't believe that I love you. If you believe me, we can work past whatever else is going on. And it could be just as innocent as that. Right. It could just be that it's unfortunate that most of the Reliant K fandom, I think, knows this story behind this album. And that is at a disservice at times to the interpretation the interpretations of certain lyrics because right. if you don't go in with that bias right you could have a whole different look at it and you know i'm sure lots of people out there lots of people listening right now probably went into it without that bias right this album we're just giving to you be that one, bias yeah that you and i happened to miss when it came out right and did not get into it and until we caught, later we caught as we were doing this podcast right because i've never cared about the personal lives of any of the musicians that i enjoy unless like it comes out like this person did like literally something criminal like that i'm not i'm talking about that but i'm talking about the personal lives of people i've never paid attention to that stuff when i were doing a podcast and there's all of these blogs out there pontificating and extrapolating all these facts of his relationships that we that we saw as we're prepping this podcast three and a half years ago, and we're like, we have to call it. This is not relevant to the to the project, to the project of us talking about every song. But it's coming up this week because I don't I don't see how we can avoid it in this case. But yeah, there are a ton of like I think Jessica at different points in the podcast would sometimes come back across those blogs when we were talking about other songs, and then she would like skip paragraphs. She'd be like, "Nope, this is like the the section that we don't talk about." Exactly. Unless people want to come forth and talk about things themselves, that's different, and and like uh, officially or whatever, that's different. Yeah, unless it's on the record. On the record. Uh, verse three: A sudden wind, and I wanted to say it was you. I've never been so confused about who knows the truth. And there's another line that kind of makes it not as simple as... Yeah. Yeah. And it could be just that 
the narrator here is talking about multiple things. That happens a lot on this album. We've sat here and talked about that a lot on this album and in other Reliant K songs where it's like, oh, this section actually might be about God and this section of the song might be about a girl. You know, it could right. be about multiple things. This might be alluding to a friend and this other part is talking about broader relationships and that sort of thing. Right. So it could very well just be that. It could be a song that just encapsulates a lot of things. Um, a sudden wind and I wanted to say it was you. I've never been so confused about who knows the truth. It began when I wanted to say it was you. Because I swore you had your hand in this too. If you believe me, we could stand the test of time like no one else. If you believe me, you know it means you have to disbelieve yourself. If you believe me. This is also the uh, opposite coin side of the song. At least we made it this far. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or also, um, what's the first song for Bird and the B-Sides? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) You failed, Jessica. Uh, I, a real Reliant K fan, know easily what the name of the first song off Bird and the B-Sides is. So everyone's shouting right now. <laughs> when do I, where do I go, where from, do here? I go from here? I swear I didn't just type that into my phone. <laughs> so it's almost like at least we made it this far. And then where do I go from here? And then this song. Those three songs tell a story. They're like, at least we made it this far. They're still together. They didn't know they'd make it. Where do I go from here? Things are falling apart. And and I'm, I'm convinced that Where Do I Go From Here and a couple other songs to Burden the B-Sides are basically prequel songs. They are about the same relationship that inspired Forget and Not Slow Down. But then you get to this song, and now it's definitely over, and now he's pleading. So it's almost like these... I think these three songs tell a story aside from just the album and the, you know, the sections of Burden the B-Sides. I think you put... At least you made it this far. Where do I go from here? And if you believe me together. And that's a complete story right there. Yeah. And then we get to the bridge. And this is kind of shitty. I'm just going to say it. This is like, this is, this is the you're so vain. You probably think this song is about you moment. About the narrator. Not about the girl. Uh, Because I'm here wondering what could you be thinking? Though I know you're that, though I know you're there thinking that I wonder that all the time. I can still invade your thoughts when you're not with me. Yet don't mind me. I'm just a parasite on your mind. Yeah, don't mind me. I know you're wondering all the time. It's like, yeah, I know that I, I live rent free in your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I know you know that you know that I know. <laughs> right. That I got you. I'm on your mind. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black, right? Like, he, she's definitely, the other, she's definitely rent-free in his head, yeah, right, at this yeah. point. <laughs> so he's like, ah, oh, yeah, but I'm rent-free in your head. Now, which might be true. Yeah. It's a painful situation for everybody involved. But, um, you know. He, Obviously, she's going to be thinking about him. Right. Uh, and he's maybe questioning the ways that she's thinking about him. And he's like, yeah, I can still invade your thoughts when you're not with me. Huh. 
that is a pretty damning difficult section to get through. Like I had all these good reads on the uh, the chorus and all that stuff, but that one's like a little more difficult. It's to read. also a tongue twister. It is a tongue twister. It is and literally maybe, difficult to read. Maybe that's the reason they don't play it live. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't get these lyrics out yeah. on stage. It's as simple I'm here as that. wondering what could you be thinking, though I know you're there thinking that I wonder that all the time. I can still invade your thoughts when you're not with me, yet don't mind me, I'm just a parasite on your mind. Yeah, don't not mind me, I know you're wondering all the time. That Just those first, like, couple of lines, it's like right. a, a true tongue twister. I mean, a more humble read is that this is a unreliable narrator. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I don't think, now that I think about it, I don't know that the concept of the unreliable narrator has ever come up in Relying K music that we've talked about. <laughs> but to think that yeah, I don't think so. this could be an unreliable narrator and that, that whether or not that was a thought that crossed Matt Thiessen's mind when he wrote this song, or if that's just an interpretation, that's interesting because I, because the narrator of, uh, the narrator of Reliant K songs is always reliable. They're always he's always singing about what he actually believes and what he's actually thinking and what he had for lunch that day and stuff like that. But to think that like he's kind of tongue twisted, just like you said, just like you said, Jess. Like I know you're thinking what I'm thinking, what you're thinking, what I'm thinking. Like that sort of tongue twist and that sort of endless uh, cavern of of thinking that you know what that person's thinking and they know what you're thinking and. You're trying to get each other to understand each other, but you're not understanding what I'm saying. And, oh, I just want to put my thoughts in your head and all that stuff. And to think that, like, is a possibility that he's knowing he's an unreliable narrator and he's being run ragged emotionally. And he knows that this is folly, but he's still saying it here because it's what you say and it's what you think when you're stuck in these thoughts. So to think that he might possibly be... If anything I said confused you, that's what I was going for. <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to say about Matisse and Matisse in here is maybe the, this bridge is supposed to be a little confusing because it is how you feel confused at the time. And he's playing his own unreliable narrator, which is something that I don't think ever comes up in Reliant K music and unreliable yeah. narrator. Yeah. Yeah. And, but even if you don't look at it that way, it is still very, it, it, I think you're right. It is one of, it, one of the most raw songs on yeah. the album and one of the most sort of damning songs on the album. Right. Which is incredible and very brave. Right. Yeah. And, oh, and then the song ends with the chorus again. Right. So I've musically, the song is amazing. The chorus is amazing. The hook is fantastic. Ethan's drumming on here is outstanding uh, we learned about it when we talked to Ethan Luck on this show that the trick here is that the beat of a lot of the drum fills and things are based off of the lyrical, uh, the vocal cadence. So that's why, and that, that I guess that's based, they got that from, they called, what do they call that? The Phil Collins thing. To drum sort of in the same rhythm as the vocals gives that certain like feeling, that push, that drive. And I mean, the drumming on here is amazing. There are it gets the song gets loud as anything on the album. Maybe not as loud as uh, Sahara, but it gets as loud as almost anything else on the album. And then it gets quiet and quiet, stormy with the piano. Like this song is a it, this song is like the room, or 
the, the scene from the room or the actual <laughs> movie that inspired it. Um, uh, Citizen Kane. What's that movie called? What's that <laughs> stupid movie called? Oh yeah, Citizen Kane. The scene from Citizen Kane that what Tommy Wiseau recreates, where he just smashes up the room. Like this is that kind of song. This is a I am smashing this room because I need to take my rage out on something. And then I just sit quietly and sadly in a smashed up room at the end because there's nothing left to smash. It's their wrecking hotel rooms is what you're saying. <laughs> That's not what that song's about, though. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I, I had this thought. I'm just looking at my notes. I had this thought that, like, there isn't a lot of Relying K songs that reference flat out the word belief or believe, right? But that's such a constant theme is belief. Well, that's a very good point. But yet this is the first song that really references the word believe. Uh, you know, lots totally of other... Totally different context. Yeah, though. in a very different context. I'm just looking. So the other songs that have the words believe are sweeter. <laughs> believe me, she will leave a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, if I could take if I could take you home, I'd like you. <laughs> You'd like you believe I'm nothing special. I think that's ah uh, yes, of course. Reliant K's most faithful album. Um, another song that really brings to this is uh, getting away from collapse of a lung. A song that talks about concepts of belief and truth, like this song does, but in a completely different framework, is the truth, which is about you know believing. It, what was that? It was it was inspired by the Lion Witch in the wardrobe and how she comes back from Narnia the first time and her siblings don't believe her and the other sibling says, I know, I don't remember the character's name, so I'm sorry. I've never been a huge Narnia fan. I'm a casual Narnia fan. The The older sibling's like, I know that she does never lies to us, so I know there's got to be some truth to what she's saying. So, it's, and so that's more about like belief in things you can't see. The lyric there is sometimes the hardest thing to believe is the truth. And that's what's going on in this song, if you believe me. The hardest thing to believe is the truth. That I, either I still love you or I didn't do what you think I did. Um, if you, uh, that, uh, God. God is another song that has the word believe in it. I believe in night. I believe in day. I believe there's a light coming back around again. Um, from end to end has the lyric, I believe that we weren't quite done. I know it's hard to hear me out again and realize that you're the only one who's terrified of life from end to end. Nothing Without You has the lyrics, let's make believe we're all okay. Just kidding. It's like every Reliant K song is what you're saying. But I just, you know, no, no, I just did my lyric search with the lyric search tool I created to just type in the word believe. And I just, there's no other song with the word believe in the title. And just this type of way of singing about please believe me, I don't think that this kind of desperate please believe me has specifically come up before. Wit's all been done before. Just scream what you believe out loud in a crowd. Um, and then let's look up truth real quick. Because <laughs> there's a lot of other things like... Uh, there's some other songs that I think sing about the truth on this album specifically. Uh, yeah, outro. And uh, what's the song that leads... <laughs> what's the song that starts from outro? Come on, Jess. Come on, Jess. You're a Reliant K fan. I'm testing you. Sorry, I was I I was I zoned out for a minute. Part of it. Part of it. So part of it and outro. I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into, 
and crawling out is hard when you are not so sure it's what you want to do. Maybe I'm wrong. That it's part of it. I just I took a guess. <laughs> yes, I was right. Outro is the outro to part of it. Okay. So the, the so lyrically, I do even though I can't name the song, <laughs> I don't have an encyclopedic mind that way. When I hear him singing about the truth on this album, I do think about the lyrics to outro as well. I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into, and crawling out is hard when you are not so sure it's what you want to do. Um, come right out and say it. I'd rather have the truth. Uh, Twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> uh where's the lyric uh my true love gave to me (laughs) hoops we hoops i did it hoops i did it again oh boy well there's truth to that but may i add it's not so bad and never less than that we're just doing this now overthinking (laughs) i was overthinking overthinking because there's just too many scenarios to analyze look in your eyes i think you're overthinking this whole truth lyric thing part of it I wish, again, the lyrics are the same from outro. I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into. So I guess also this song kind of goes, I feel like this song is also a a sibling to part of it. I think part of it and this song are both rocking, awesome songs. I think part of it is a little less painful, despite the fact that it's coming from the same desperate place. And yet part of it has sort of an artistic bent that hides the pain and the pain is right there this is this song is a raw nerve more than any song and yet there's so many raw nerves on this album this is the rawest of the nerve this is just completely open flesh even more than the songs that refer to open flesh (laughs) uh yeah i really like this song and i wish that they'd play it live i don't know what the truth is behind the song lyrically but I lean towards the more op- the more relatively optimistic read on the song. You know what else also reminds me of? Do you remember in Taxi? I wrote this down and so I wouldn't forget it because I was going to forget it. Um, do you remember in Taxi Driver? After. You ever heard of this movie Taxi Driver? <laughs> yep. I think if you saw it, you might consider it one mm. of your favorite movies. Especially I... of the new Hollywood 70s. Mm, you might be right. So anyway... <laughs> The you, you, you might not remember this, but I took you to see it in the theater at least <laughs> twice. Um, it's Jessica. It's one of Jessica's favorite movies. Uh, for different reasons than a lot of like bros are like, yeah, taxi driver. He's awesome. He gets a he gets he gets a mohawk. Right. <laughs> Jessica yeah. likes it for different, different reasons, reasons that we can get into some other time. But anyway, <laughs> there's a scene in Taxi Driver where after he tries to take Sybil Shepherd to the porno theater. Uh-huh. Which there is a meaning and a sad meaning to that. It's like he doesn't understand and connect with people. He yeah. doesn't know that what what's wrong with the porno theater. He doesn't even feel going to see a pornographic film the way that other people understand the awkwardness or the excitement of going to see such a thing in a public space. He just sees couples going to the porno theater together. So he's like, oh, when I have a date, I'll take her to that theater. He takes her to the theater. She's totally embarrassed. She runs out. The next day, he's trying to call her on the phone. And it's basically him trying to plead with her and be like, if you believe me, I didn't mean to embarrass you. Can you explain why this was embarrassing because I'm neurologically and there's, and especially in the seventies, 
Like, I'm neurologically not on the same playing field as the rest of the people around me here in this giant city, and I'm back from Vietnam and all this stuff, and nobody, I just can't connect. And I don't understand why. And if you believe me, in that desperate scene where he's on the payphone and Civil Shepherd has taken the call, and he's like, he's like, well, like, I don't understand. And then the camera. And this is like a big artistic moment. And I, when I saw when I saw the movie the first time, I was like, it was one of those things where I was like watching a film. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get how the camera told the story. Suddenly, the camera dollies away from the payphone and just goes down the empty hallway. <laughs> and if we just and it's like the camera is saying for us, the audience, this is too painful. We can't stay here with this main character anymore. It's actually the moment where the filmmakers and the audience are both saying like, this is too painful for us. We got to give this character some space for just a second. And then that's how I interpret it. And then on the uh, commentary track, that's literally what Martin Scorsese was going for. I was like, yes, I could read these things correctly. <laughs> but that. He had, Martin Scott says he had a really hard time getting a cinematographer, who I don't know the name of, to do some of these shots. Because, like, you don't point the camera <laughs> down an empty hallway for 20 <laughs> seconds. Like, you don't do that. Right. And he's like, no, you got to do this. So this song also occasionally reminds me of that scene. And, uh, you know, Matt Thiessen, much more of a personable guy than Travis Bickle, <laughs> much more connected to the world around him yeah. than Travis Bickle. But still, that <laughs> same, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the, the day where he has a mohawk, the day where we got to watch out for when uh, Matt Thiessen suddenly has a Schneck style mohawk. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It just maybe you know, it kind of makes me think of that sometimes, but in a different way much different way but anyway yeah this has already been an hour and a half episode we haven't even taken our break so let's take our break sounds good thank you so much for listening to sadie hawkins pod new episodes are released every other week but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us you can join patreon.com slash sadie hawkins pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week when you sign up you'll get access to years of backlog episodes including our discussions of the songs from relying k is for karaoke every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Reliant K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include... Charity, Samantha H. Number 1, Samantha H. Number 2, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Relying K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADY, or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, true. So we have two, I believe, genius annotations here. 
nope, actually, it's just one. Uh, <laughs> unless we stretch, well, I couldn't tell if it was, you know, broken up based on, anyway. Unless we stretch until the point in nearly breaking in two, we'll never find our weakness coming unglued. This line explores the ideology of needing to push boundaries to see where things went wrong. It's impossible to discover weakness without making oneself vulnerable. And the same principle can be applied to relationships. That's well said. No, I disagree. And let me tell you why. (laughs) Then we have song meanings. Okay. Oh boy. This song means believe. This song is him. Is I what? But but is this about asking someone to believe in Jesus? Is someone think that this song is about uh, begging with someone to believe in Christ? I'm not sure. Oh man, there are a couple of really long mm. comments on here. Maybe um, we do a Patreon episode oh, on those. Okay. Well, you know what. Nope, we're going to read this one. General comment. The really long one? Yep, we're going for it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Pretty spelled P-R-T-T-Y writer on January 27th, 2010. I think this song goes like this. I got a chill and I wanted to say it was you. Wait. Oh, they're just telling us what the lyrics are at first. That particular one. So the I got a chill and I wanted to say it was you, etc. line. They said, this verse is referring to his search for God and wondering if he's misinterpreting God's wishes, if he's misinterpreting God's wishes for his life. He's beginning to realize that what he thought was God's will may have been wishful thinking as he searched for a sign that he should go in at the direction he wanted to. A crack sculpture, that whole line. He's denying that the feelings of maybe his fiance not being who he is is meant to be with our... Wait. He's denying that the feelings of maybe his fiance not not being who he is meant to be with are from God. That is... That it is people who are... Determines to pick him apart. Okay. Which are... Which is why he uses vultures. You... You can interpret that on, on I type own. the same way all the time, so I can't. <laughs> he fell in love and wanted to say that it had to have been God's wishes and that this was the girl he was meant to be with, but really it was wishful thinking. If you believe me, we could stand the test of time like no one else. Uh, I think this might be God's voice telling him to listen to what God has to say. You have to ignore your own desires or... Oh, I think they mean disbelieve yourself. He also ends the fr- it with the phrase, if you believe me, emphasizing that it is our choice to believe God that he didn't force us. Uh, this is interesting. You know, this is all just an interesting take on this. Uh, a sudden wind, and I wanted to say it was you. He's become so confused that he's confusing everything with God's will. Even something totally small and unrelated, like a sudden wind. Everyone is telling him different things and he doesn't know who to believe. He wants to say that his own will is God's and doesn't understand how he could fall in love with someone if she wasn't meant to be the one because God promised he would have his hand in every part of our lives. Because uh, I'm, I'm here wondering what 
you could be thinking, etc. He's doubting God and his will for his life and is a little guilty at doubting God so much. Uh, I can still invade your thoughts, etc. At this point, God's voice comes in again, saying that even when we deny his voice, he still knows everything but, we're thinking. Okay. When we deny him, he can't help us in our decisions, but only sit and watch as we de- deviate from his path for our life. This is fine headcanon, but he's speaking in the first person. So is he speaking in the first person from God? I can still invade your thoughts when you're not with me. That's God speaking, saying God... I'm God and I can invade your thoughts when you're not with me. But then the rest of the song, it was sung in the first person, but it was him speaking about his reason. I mean, Jesus <laughs> has done that before. I don't personally think that's what's happening here. No. Uh, and then this person says, please tell me if you think I'm right, wrong, stupid, whatever. Danny's already done that. I don't. Uh, think I want to know what you guys think. I think it's perfectly Smiley reasonable face. headcanon, but I just don't think that there's... So... I don't think it... Yeah, uh, it's interesting, but also the thing is, is that this is not about, uh, from what we know, and obviously this person doesn't know, uh, they know enough to know that it's about a breakup with a fiance, but you know, what we know through whatever is that there, there was a blame to be placed on the end of the relationship. Right. And that's not what they're taking here because God gave us free will and that's more of what happened. I don't think that this it has the like, well, the, you said this was my person, God, and now it's right. not or whatever type of thing. He's not ple- I don't hear him pleading with God to make the relationship not break up. Yeah, I, I think that if it was that, that it would be a different song. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that that song wouldn't be a thing. That song and songs where we've uh, gone through and been like, I think Tyson's actually switching between like himself and God sort of as narration. Right. Is a thing. And that, you know, it's different. Uh, You know, I just think that it's in a different context. I think that this song would be very different if that was the case. This is a proactive song of desperation and bargaining. Meaning... Mm -hmm. He is arguing with, he is, he is pleading to the person who is leaving him. That's, I just don't think you can see that as anything else. If you think that this is a man pleading with God not to allow his relationship to end, I think there's two main problems with that. One, that's like a passive pleading, like, because if the person is actively leaving you, and then instead of going to that person to plead, don't leave me, you plead to God. I guess you would plead to God after they say, don't talk to me anymore. And now you're pleading to God of, please help me find a way to get them back. But I said there were two things wrong. I think I just covered both of them in that one statement. <laughs> it's That's more of a passive way to... Like, if the song was about her dying, and he's pleading with God, "Don't this was supposed to be the one, don't take her from me. That's a different thing than this person wants to leave me. I'm going to them and desperately asking them, please don't leave me. It's interesting. Um, this has four, this comment has four replies and all four people are coming over here saying, yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess uh, we're wrong. Yeah. Uh, fo- specifically follower of faith on February 6th, 2020 oh, well. said, I think you hit it right on the right on. At least we're preaching outside of the choir. <laughs> 
that was how I had been viewing it too. But you cleared up any verses that had confused me before. I like to think I like to look at the it this way because sometimes I have trouble understanding exactly what God wants me to do. Sometimes I just pray for some kind of sign that will point me in the right direction for the next step of God's plan, and then I'm afraid that I misinterpreted the sign, so I can relate to the song much better if I look at it like this. It reminds me that I'm not the only one who does this, and I do agree with that statement because I do that. With, we all do that with songs where it's like we take out of it what we want to take out of it. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it before many times before that once it's out there, death of the author, you right. know, you, you can interpret it however you like. And so, again, if you're interpreting this song and it has that meaning for you, that's how you're taking it away from it. And it gives you something uh, to, to take away like that and helps you. Perfect. That's great. Yeah. And it means what you want it to mean. Mm-hmm. But as far as coming to like a thing that's like a song called song meanings and being like, this is what this song means. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, you know, that you're it's like, this is what I think this song right. means. or This is what this song means to me is more uh, of an apt description to that. Right. And it's interesting because this this commenter came to it to say that in 2010 and all the replies are from 2010. But, like, the next comment was already up there, which was Swim Andy zero uh, thirteen on October 6, 2009, said, Amazing, brilliant, best song off the new CD. I would have put this as the first single. As far as the meaning goes, I feel it's about Maddie T's breakup with his fiance. She broke up with him after she found out some things that, quote, she just can't handle, end quote. Some people said that Matt cheated on her, but who knows? So, I mean, you already have that comment. It was already... That was here. It was already being discussed. It was already being discussed. Online. Yeah. By 2010. It was already being discussed on this specific website. Right. Um, so there's that. Uh, I think this song is talking about after the breakout. I think they mean breakup. Uh, he's still thinking <laughs> about, <out>. her, <laughs> about her all the time. Tonight then, there's gonna be a jailbreak. Then it moves. Sorry, I was I was like headbanging along. Uh, then it moves on about him wondering what she is thinking about him. If she still likes him, he knows that he is still on her mind. The chorus is saying to believe him, whether it's about him truly loving her or about cheating on her or doing something else. Quote that she just can't handle. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Amazing song though. Uh. Interesting. Someone came on here to to give us a quote from a website called Stereotruth.net. And uh Huh. Interesting. I'm I'm probably right. not gonna delve into this one. Okay. Uh but you can search out song meanings if you're interested. Uh or whatever, on October 20th, 2009, said this song is not, in all caps, completely about the breakup. In my opinion, it's about God and how we think uh, we feel him slash see him in our lives, but we aren't completely sure. He relates it to Shannon at the end of the second verse. Where to begin? Well, I wanted to say it was you because I swore you had your hand in this too. I think it's about how he thought God wanted their relationship but if he eventually realized he didn't as a whole, I interpret the song as being about having doubts about God and his presence in our lives. The chorus is God saying, if you believe me, you have to put aside everything else and you'll experience God in 
a way you haven't before. The bridge confuses me. It could be God always wanting, always knowing what we're thinking and how. But it's got to be about God. It really could, confuses me because this is definitely about God. Yeah, but it could be difficult to deal with, or it could be about the girl. Thoughts? Anyone else agree? And they do have five replies, but yeah, it's just. It's one of those things, and it's one of those things that we come across every week, and it's, you know, is it about God or a girl? Is it about both? Is it whatever? And it just, it gets exhausting, and, you know, even when we have a definitive answer one way or the other, people are still going to come here and argue it. Danny and I are still going to come here and argue it. Right. So, it's just... I guess what what peeves me sometimes is, uh, and I, I realize refusing to see it any other way. Well, yeah, and I know I'm gonna. Some people are gonna see me as being very hypocritical here, and I can't say that I'm not going to be a little hypocritical here. But I'll try to say this correctly. I guess when I hear a Relying K song, and I lean towards a secular read on it first, I do that because the crowd that will force in the religious read, no matter what, get very angry if a song is about a girl. I don't get angry if a song is about... I don't... I do not get angry if a song is about God. No matter what your religion is, no matter what your faith, no matter what your background, if I hear a song and I understand that this song is about that songwriter's religious faith... I'm not angry that they sang about their faith, whether their faith agrees or disagrees with me. I am not looking to disagree with someone musically based off of their faith. And yet the other side of the people who hear these things, if they find out a song is about a girl, they're like, ew, gross, meaningless, pointless, useless, throw it in the trash, meaningless song. Like I would never, on the opposite side of that, take a song that I hear about either a relationship, a romantic relationship, or your faith and relationship with God, I would never say either of those aren't art or aren't worth it or are, are meaningless. They're both meaningful. My my take on this stuff is I start with a Reliant K song and I kind of assume it's whatever it feels right to me, whether it feels secular or feels faith-based. I just take whichever side is right. But I don't understand the read that people take about this song isn't about faith and therefore it is a meaningless song. That's the side that I get. I just don't understand that. How can you do that? How can you assume someone has written open their heart and you don't think it's about the kind of thing that you care about and therefore it's worthless. Like grow up. (laughs) Don't you grow up too fast. I know. (laughs) I'm not telling you to grow up. You can believe whatever you want, Pooper. Just don't believe me I'm, I'm late for dinner. That's the uh, phrase, right? So believe whatever just... you want. Just don't believe me late for dinner. And we're getting to the part of the podcast where everybody gets a little cranky, uh, we've noticed. So I'm, I'm going to skip. It's just there's a couple more comments of people arguing to one side or the other. Again, you can search out song meetings if you're interested. Uh, then we have a Flickr post or there's a picture. It's fun in calligraphy writing. They've got a they've got a yellow like iPod of some type and they've got the album cover up where it says, if you believe me, they're playing the song. And it says, I fell in love and I wanted to say it was you. And this was posted by Cersei 
the star. Uh, and it says, day 68, if you believe me, explored. Heart Reliant K. Went to the mall with my oldest sister and my niece to meet with her college friends. Ate in an all-you-can-eat restaurant. Oh, I'm so full with f- free of charge. Hee <laughs> hee. Three more stickers till I get my Starbucks planner. Uh, trying to think of other things besides him. Should be in love, though. Oh, well. Uh, and that, that's what I've got. <laughs> and now April's getting upset because yep. Cooper's making noise. We think we figured out Cooper's relation- April April's relationship to Cooper is she's like... He doesn't benefit me. Yeah. Why does he... He won't interact with me. He won't play with me. He won't feed me. So <laughs> he what good day, is he? April. What good is he? Yeah. So now April has gone gone from kind of like being mad that he's even there to like kind of like begging him to give her interaction. <laughs> yeah. Like do something. She wants attention. She wants attention from him. So now when she barks at him, <laughs> she's like, give me attention. And he doesn't comprehend how to do that. Because he's a baby. He's five weeks old. <laughs> and April's about to throw your computer on the ground. So I had to unplug it. She got caught up in the cord. So anyway, there is not really much on YouTube and there's nothing on SoundCloud and nothing on Bandcamp. Oh, and that reminds me, of course, by the way, Switchfoot this month in September next month, they're like, hey, we're going to have all our friends re-record our album with a major anniversary this year. Where do you think they got that idea? Where do you think they got that idea, Jess? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? We had our friends re-record Collapsible Lung, which is 10 years old. So they're like, oh, we'll have all our friends re-record our beautiful letdown for its 20th anniversary. Yeah, we were Thanks all working out at the same time. Yeah. We were. Well, I, I was one of those things. It was just out there in the collective conscious. You I, know? I've been, we were working on replaceable hips since last November. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Well... <laughs> I mean, we wasn't. The, it was an open <laughs> secret. So there is a piano cover by. I'm just going to read them all. There's a piano cover that is not recorded very well by Moving Tone Wow W A O. There's another piano cover by D Nat Music. There is an acoustic cover by Mac Z the Drummer. There is, and there is a banjo cover by. Jonathan Baroque. None of them are recorded very well. It's a surprisingly, I mean, given the fact that this is also a Reliant K song that's not like played live that much, it's a banger of a song, but there's only those four covers. There's only those four derivative works. There is also one person put together some sort of Romeo and Juliet fan video, but I don't know what Romeo and Juliet this is. Oh, Sean and Juliet. <laughs> Gossip Girl. It says Sean and Juliet. I wrote down Romeo and Juliet. So someone put together a Gossip Girl shipping video for Sean and Juliet. And that's it. That's all there is. And then some other thing where someone's like doing some RuneScape. And some people go on a Budapest trip and it's an eight minute video. And this song is included in there. That's all there is on YouTube. So I don't know. Here's the banjo cover. Got a chill and I want to say was you. Be still because what I'm about to say is the truth. Unless we shift some time to point and nearly break it in two. We'll never 
I'm find a wing that's coming in blue Crack sculpture, I wanted to say it was you Feeding vultures and why I feel the way I do Fell in love and I wanted to say it was you Wanted to say it was you So the song's a little more complicated, but it's just not a song that people have apparently even attempted to cover. That's right. Sean Baroque's banjo cover. Here's Mac Z, the drummer's acoustic cover. Again, like recorded, not great in the room. Like no professionally recorded covers. And then there's the two piano covers, and here's the one that's technically better sounding. Your hassle-free trip after this commercial. And this will play us out. This is D-Nat music. This is uh, their piano cover where the camera is across the room. So it sounds like it's across the room. So, Jessica. Yes. What did you think? What do you think of If You Believe Me by Relying K? Our second, our penultimate episode of this album. How do you feel about this song? Do you like it more the same or better? That, that's the same. More the same or less than before we did this episode. I think I like it the same. I think I like it more. Nice. Any any reason or you're just going to leave it at that? Uh, I don't know. I like I like that holding note. If you believe me, I love that. That's great. I don't know. It's, it's just stuff. a banger. It's like a song I've always really enjoyed, but now uh, that I have different uh, now i'm interested in different reads on it like i'm not just seeing it possibly the one way we started with now that it could mean a couple other things this video is very interesting by the way yeah only curse covers that's the thing i was trying to say is like you know four people who did pretty good covers but all of the recording style of them is cursed just a little too far away in a void of a room Alrighty. Yeah, liminal praise this is that thing that i was talking about <laughs> i forgot to mention it on the getting into you cover excuse me on the getting into you cover section but there's like so many you know liminal spaces so many recordings done of covers and praise and worship songs in liminal spaces i think that's the next big evolution of christian media is liminal praise like record in the middle of a parking lot record in the middle of a hallway that's not meant to be occupied just like taxi driver yeah there you go that's a liminal scene well, if you believe me, we'll be back in another week or two with another episode, and then we'll see how September goes with my jaw surgery. We will try to get here before the weekend. Apologies. Yeah, you know, I just, I can't, it's been a, we it's can't been a keep lot. to a day anymore. My job is kicking my butt, and I, we have both, this baby. We're both working. We both, we're both working. <laughs> I started back at work, uh, like, two weeks ago Well, now, she works from home, and, but yeah. it's already a full-time job feeding this guy. <laughs> He's like, feed me, mama, feed me every two hours. <laughs> Jessica's blowing in his face to kind of calm him down. I'm fluffing to cool him off. Yeah. It's, it's warm in, in here. We haven't, we haven't made that comment in a whole two weeks. So right. You know. All right. Well, everyone, have a he great week. To like <laughs> Let us know what Relying K concert you're going to this year if you want any stickers to hand out. <laughs> Sorry, he, he like makes this like very content face the second I start flipping and cries the second I stop. It's like how dare you have a capacity in your lungs that isn't endless. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
she blows in his face, and he's like, ooh, and the second and she's out of breath, little, he starts crying. Yeah, he makes a little pursed lip face, and then he's like, instantly backed upset. <laughs> we should just put him in front of a fan. Yeah, he loves, he loves you blowing in his face, and he hates it the second. It's so funny. Nobody can see this. <laughs> we need to take a video of this. It's insane. The, the demeanor face. Let me try blowing in his face. Hand it to me. Let's see how he likes me blowing in his face. Every second, every time she blows in his face, he's like happy. And the second it ends, he cries. the silliest little face, though. He likes it when I do, too. It's hot. He's probably cranking because it's so hot. And it's time to feed again. He really makes his face when you blow in his face. Babies are entertaining. They sure are. Thank right. you so much for listening. We'll try to have less baby talk next episode. <laughs> Stay safe and healthy out there. Okay, keep breathing. Don't stop. Oh, Danny, Danny, do not pass out on the baby. <laughs>